Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Happy Valentine's Day. Today's show begins the report on how Republicans are apparently in better relationships than Democrats. Of course, this makes sense, and I try to explain. Then I give you the latest on the China spy balloon, or is it balloons? We're not getting a full picture of what's going on. Illegal aliens voting, chemical explosion in Ohio killing animals, and the 2024 presidential field is taking shape with a few new candidates. Uh, Nikki Haley made her announcement, I guess, a day early during the show. Um, We do cover that on the SXM app if you want to get the full show, which uh, you can get every day with the uh, full three hours. Feel free to do that. It doesn't come up on this show, but we mentioned a couple new candidates who are probably going to jump in and more in the opening of the broadcast. Our guest today is James Lawrence. He's an attorney who does a lot of important work defending people on free speech cases. Uh, he had a pretty big win with a huge settlement, allegedly a huge, but definitely a settlement with Alex Berenson and Twitter. Uh, and he's representing a guy named Douglas Mackey, who you might recall as Ricky Vaughn 99 on Twitter, who was a very popular memester who got thrown off the platform and actually is now on the brink of 10 years in prison for an election meme making fun of Hillary Clinton and her voters. Um, the Democrat elite, elite are trying to put him away for making fun of Hillary and they're claiming election interference. It's really horrifying, high stakes stuff and we get all the details in the interview. Let's get into it. start today with a story that Republicans report higher relationship satisfaction than Democrats. And I say that because I'm wishing you all happy Valentine's Day. That's today. Um, do any of you have plans? Or is, how big of a deal is Valentine's Day and what does it wax and wane for you? Uh, I'm curious if anyone has any ideas because I feel very bad um, because I am, um, I, I'm, I would say, fairly romantic for someone my age. And um, I don't think I'm in a particularly romantic um, age group. I don't think like most of my friends are romantic, but uh, I really like doing romantic things with Mrs. Dr. Marlowe, and I am doing uh, nothing this year, and I feel terrible about it, and I'm judging myself. I'm coming clean to all of you. So, But I do buy into this survey that Republicans are reporting a higher relationship satisfaction than Democrats, um, mainly because Democrats, so many of them start from the premise that men and women aren't real. Uh, they're uh, made-up constructs, that they are. you don't really know if you're a man or a woman. So I think that's a very bad start to a relationship if you're unclear on whether or not the person is actually, you know, what they're, what is the, the, whether or not they are defined by uh, the way God made them or whether or not they're defined by whatever is their mood that day. Um, so the, the, I think that the a conservative lifestyle, traditional lifestyle is to, is to, you strive for that. We all fall short. But uh, if you can do that, it's, it's worked out very well for me. And I can't help but see all of the headaches that me trying to, you know, emulate, uh, I think, more traditional examples in my relationship has all helped me. And I think that more conservatives try that than Democrats. There is a just surreal series of videos that have been going around, mostly on TikTok, of a couple, maybe a little bit younger than I am, but not much, probably early 30s, a millennial couple in New York. And it's this stay-at-home husband does these vlogs on TikTok and Instagram, and people send them to me. 
and he goes through his life and he's supposed to be portraying a satisfying life where he takes his wife to work and then he cleans up the house and then he makes her dinner and then he tucks her in because she's had such a and you know he'll have a, he'll do his couch transformation and cleaning up the couch area and that will entail him taking the pillows off the floor and putting them back on the couch in semi neat fashion and we're supposed to be very dazzled by this and I think it's earnest. I don't think it's a troll, but you wouldn't make it any different. Um, I will say that this will not shock you. Neither of them particularly good looking. And um, it seems like a very, in a very small apartment in New York, very deeply, it seems like very deeply unsatisfying existence. And I think people, um, people, I think people tout that because they want to convince themselves that that's a good thing. I'm not saying that there aren't stay-at-home dads who don't have a great life. I'm, I'm, I, it, I, I'm basically a stay-at-home dad myself in a lot of ways, so I'm not judging. I'm just judging how I feel like the left talks themselves into things relationship-wise, like men becoming you know, subservient to the women, as if that's an okay route. It's not. It's a, you have to, even if you're a stay-at-home dad, you've got to, to balance the scales in a different way, but just flat out just in service of the of the woman all day. I don't, I don't think it works. I think you can lie to yourself and say that that's, that's a place to start and you can build from there. But on the right, I don't think most of us even consider that stuff. Um, I think that there's, you know, my house, I do more domestic stuff than Mrs. Dr. Marlowe and that works for us because the nature of, I work from home for the most part. I'm digressing a lot, but I, I think this is a very important thing for people who have children. I know a lot of you have children in the audience and how to raise your children. And if you go along with this woke stuff, it's a formula for unhappiness. And what could be other than raising moral children, what could be better for society than raising happy children? Morals got to be number one because that affects other people at such a wild level. If you don't have integrity, if you are not living a godly life, you're not protecting yourself and you're not protecting, you're not giving yourself the best chance to have a successful life and have a successful afterlife. But beyond that, trying to get your children a place where they're in a happy place, they're satisfied, is key. And I think if you raise them conservative, you get a better shot. And I think this is a clear example. I think the left is going the wrong direction. The right is almost like rushing in the other direction. What's interesting is it seems like the Gen Z crowd, they're really into, uh, they, they use the word trad, um, traditional stuff, where I think they're almost overdoing it in some ways. Some of it is uh, live action role play LARPing, but uh, very noteworthy that a lot of conservative circles in big cities now, I find that the younger people are getting going much more traditional. And this is clearly a reaction to, I think, some of the stuff I'm talking about. I'm going to bring that up. If you have any thoughts this Valentine's Day, I'm all ears. Um, and we do plenty of time for calls today for that. All right, now we will go in the total opposite direction of um, kind of the nice things in life versus the not nice things, which is toxic Ohio train derailments. Sparking federal lawsuits, call for health tests. Any of you who've seen any of the images online, um, it is straight out of a zombie apocalypse movie. And so many of us, I think, like the idea of, um, you know, the thought of in our head rehearsing what it would be like to be in a zombie apocalypse. I mean, these are the exact scenes out of a movie. Um, it looks like something's gone terribly wrong. I don't know how this particular train derailed, how all these chemicals were shot up in the air and how the media managed to not talk about it for several days. Um, finally, two lawsuits have been filed by Pennsylvania residents uh, calling for the rail operator to pay for medical screenings and related care for people living within a 30-mile radius. 50 cars, including 10 hazardous materials, a 10 with hazardous materials derailed February the 3rd. Um, and so far, no one's been injured, but we don't know yet because the medical staff has not 
sort itself out. We don't know when that will be because the toxic chemicals in the air, we don't know what the downstream effects are. We'll tell you one thing, which is horrifying, is animals are dropping dead. So at the crash site. Um, reading from local news right now, impact of toxic chemicals released at the site of an Ohio train crash is uh, going to affect the town. The town's got 5,000 people, but people are finding that their animals are just, are just dead. Fish and frogs dying in local streams, dead chickens, dead dogs, dead foxes. And people are posting this stuff on social media. And it's so often the case, our federal government wants us to talk about literal aliens. That's what they want us to talk about. They want to leave it open if whether or not it was an alien invasion. Could you imagine if the aliens invaded via these Chinese spy balloons and they did it? Coincidentally, coincidentally, they did it at a time we were talking about a Chinese spy balloon floating over our country. That they were also other objects that happen to have extra- extraterrestrials in them. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. So the NORAD commander did not rule it out as we talked about briefly on yesterday's show. So, of course, there's no extraterrestrials. And if there are, then they certainly weren't, not going to be found this week. We're getting distracted by the people who should have been preventing this train derailment and the people who shouldn't have let the spy balloon float all the way over our country, should have lost track of it to begin with. Um, very important interview with... Derek Van Orden yesterday on the broadcast. And uh, there's one thing that struck me talking to him is how few Republicans are now speaking up on this issue, on the balloons. Something's up. Something's going on. There's some level of information that is out there that we are, that, that we are being told we're supposed to have that we don't have. That's all I got to say. We, I'm, I'm, I'm hunting it down, but there's something up. I don't like what's going on. I don't like the intensity that he brought to the interview. I mean, I like it in terms of radio content, but maybe it made me a little scared. There's something going on with these balloons and the Republicans are not talking about it. And that um, makes me concerned. Not, not they're holding something back um, because they're controlled opposition. I think they might be holding something back because maybe they can't share. Maybe there's something actually bad and classified that cannot be shared. Mystery objects getting shot down. U.S. now is a task force for UFOs. Again, not the alien UFOs in all likelihood. All likelihood Chinese vessels, but we don't know. Hopefully they tell us. They have had a hard time collecting all of the payload and all of the um, various apparatus that were attached to the balloons. Not surprising. Um, Why could the government do the stuff we want? They need to do stuff that's more realistic, like um, uh, slowing down the rise in temperature on the planet. Can't get the scrap metal they shot down on the sky? They can't get that? It's interesting where the the government pleads uh, that they can't do something. They plead that something's impossible. They plead that, you know, we can't accomplish a border wall, but we can roll back the temperature of Earth, even if China doesn't participate. All right, highly frustrating, um, and I will I will will keep you posted at brightbird.com constantly throughout the day uh, as we as we go through all of it. All right, a lot of other stuff going on though, so I want to keep uh, keep it moving here. A couple of interesting tech items out there. There's one that is at the lead story right now, brightbird.com, 
um, as you were hearing the show live that I can't recommend enough. It is a long read. I recommend maybe even set, set it aside for the weekend, but we want to get out here. It is a deep dive story that we spent months on. And a bunch of us worked on this. We're uh, evidence of Jeff Bezos bagging billions of dollars in Pentagon cash. And it goes through the process of how he does it. And it goes through the process about how big tech is essentially become, you know, IT infrastructure for the deep state and the national security state and the military industrial complex. Um, it's one of the scariest things going is one of the scariest uh, the industries in the history of the world is big tech the wealthiest, most powerful, all unelected, mostly anonymous people who have agendas that are very contrary to your agendas, the vast majority of this audience. And um, we take this case study of Amazon and we go through, a, through via a bunch of emails that we tracked and are breaking in the article of exactly how the deals are cut where Amazon exchanges certain services uh, for certain benefits. Um, and how the work that's done by government officials to benefit Amazon and then the backs get scratched along the way. So we'll have Christina Wong, who is the author of the story on later in the week. Um, but it's the, the this is one that is going to deserve some of your time if you have it. And I think you do because I'm asking you. Check it out. Microsoft has suspended foreign disinformation experts that blacklisted conservative media golf clap. Hooray. I brought some good news to the show. A little victory for conservative media. Um, Washington Examiner, Breitbart, Daily Caller all reported on this company called Xander. Xander was formerly owned by AT&T and was uh, not woke relative to other advertising agencies. What they would do is they would, um, you know, they package ads. Uh, sometimes they show up on websites, etc. And um, they, when they were with AT&T, they all have to fight off the woke mob, but they did successfully. And they allowed for their content to appear on places like Breitbart, despite all the boycotts of Breitbart. And then Microsoft bought them. And Microsoft immediately started a purely ideological boycott. The list of the band names came out. They're 100% conservative, and they're for absurd reasons. As I pointed out on yesterday's broadcast, Breitbart.tv, which is our clip transcription service, that is where we watch the news and write literally what happened without any analysis, was listed as hate speech. So um, if it is, the hate speech is actually coming from you know the folks over at MSNBC and The View. Maybe there is hate speech over at The View. Check this clip out that Zach pulled. Play cut 17, please, Zach. Oh, the only well, thing that would have made it better for me is, you know, finally we know that black quarterbacks can lead teams so, and are smart enough to lead wow. teams. I would like to see... I, I you, always knew that. That right? was never... Yeah, that. Well, right. I'm with Whoopi. I'm with Whoopi. That's hate speech. That's good. That's good. We got it. Yeah, we got it. We got it. It's a... That's a... Uh, unbelievable. Um, so Zach reminds me that black quarterback Doug Williams led his team to a Super Bowl in 1988. Uh, Donovan Knabb, I know, got to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl, um, I think it was four years ago, and was in the Super Bowl three years ago. So it's the uh, is this is this really news to people? Uh, is how if I said finally blacks are smart enough to win a Super Bowl, uh, it would be my last day on air. This would also be the show where I'd be saying goodbye. Thanks for the good times. And Sonny Hostin, she gets applauded. We had to play from the beginning. Listen to the applause. Oh, the only well, thing that would have made it better for me is, you know, finally we know that black quarterbacks can lead teams. So, 
and are smart enough to lead well, teams. I would like to see. I, I you, always knew that. That right? was never we knew a question. That. We knew but, that. But, um, you know, it takes people a minute to catch okay, up. How about you like the applause? It's this thing. Everyone who applauded should get shamed on social media. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But still, a lot of sheeple out there. I'm guessing there's a lot of sheeple in the Views live studio audience. That is just a guess. Um, sounds like hate speech. Wow. That is stunning, isn't it? Um, anyway, so Microsoft is suspending the foreign disinformation experts that uh, crafted the blacklist for them is a massive win it, because Microsoft is still very woke, incredibly woke, but I guess they had thought they'd crossed a line. It's nice to know they have a line. I always think that maybe the left doesn't have a line. Maybe the, there is just, you can't cross it. There's, because there's certain things I was thinking about it. I was kind of going through some of the various bills that have passed over the last couple of years, and there's no limit to how much they'll spend. I mean, we've already, of course, had record spending, record debt. I mean, it, it is, and, and of course, Democrats would have spent more if we had allowed them, despite the fact we don't have the money. We have to buy, borrow from China to pay for it. So there are certain places where there's never a limit, it's never enough. All right, switching gears to the border. A lot of interesting immigration stories, and I will start with an epic one. Ron DeSantis is expected to secure $10 million to fly illegal aliens to sanctuary cities. Is that not cool or what? I mean, that is so cool. Um, and they're going to go for, I think they're going to go for Century City, California, which I'm really excited by. Um, I heard that, and I don't have it in front of me. But if that's if that's true, i got to shore that up with you guys. But that's a the giant mall next to the L.A. Country Club in and adjacent Beverly Hills. That is, it's it's cool. It's a cool mall, got to admit. Spent a lot of time there as a kid. A lot of dates, maybe Valentine's Day or two with Mrs. Dr. Marlowe back in the day. Um, but it's the, he's, he's, he's still doing it and he's getting more money to do it. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is going to lead a border trip amid the surge in illegal crossings. So that's a good thing to do. And um, it should be automatic. Derek Van Oren is going to go with him. Um, a few others. And he'll be in the Tucson sector, which has had a big uptick. He's going to be with a handful of others. And that'll be later this week. All, all freshman members, show them what's up. They'll get a sanitized trip. You can bet You can bet it won't be the nitty-gritty of it. But if you're a politician and you're supposed to make political gestures and you're a new Speaker of the House, within the first month, you should go to the border. You should do that. It makes perfect sense. And it's nice to know that he's doing it. Again, I'm, I'm the suspect of McCarthy's pure purity, but I don't really care if he's ideologically pure or not if he's doing the right stuff. This is, I'm much more into the, I know everyone kind of excuses the do as I say, say as I do mentality. We all do it ourselves. We all like the people who talk the toughest. I'm much more in the mindset, let's see what people do. Let's see what they do. A lot of people have promised stuff to us over the last few years who didn't do stuff, didn't complete promises. And there are some people who maybe ideologically are not perfect, but might actually do the stuff they say they're going to do. So that's what I want to see. Uh, I brought to you a story of how Democrats are pushing for illegal aliens to be able to vote in D.C. And to my point about how they, you never get enough, uh, New England Democrats are pushing to give voting rights to illegal aliens as well. So we keep chipping away at it. Um, I can't recommend enough Victor Davis Hanson's The Dying Citizen. You know, the, the issue with it, it's something that is, the book was almost written for the historical record. It, it's not an easy read, and it's long, it's dense, but... You come away with a deep sense that one of the things that made America special was that we valued citizens. And one of the things that we're doing to kill ourselves, figuratively speaking right now, 
is to devalue what it means to be a citizen. To basically act as though if you reside in America, it is the same as being an American. And the explanation for the distinction, it took him a whole book to kind of lay it out. But that is a common refrain I've been going to on the show. Because that's the goal. Because the residents of America are going to vote for whoever gives them the biggest handouts and who's going to empower the government the most. And those people are going to be Democrats. Um, the south side of Chicago residents are outraged. City is spending millions of dollars housing housing boarding border crossers in abandoned schools. This is something that I think we've really lost track of at Breitbart, is that when the borders open, it takes resources, it takes money, it takes people who are taken away from their families or doing work to protect actual citizens of this country so that they can be caretakers of legal aliens. Because again, once you're here in the United States, then um, you are going to get taken care of. You're going to get treated with respect. Uh, it's the, you know, the Marlowe family, we walked the walk on this thing. I mean, Mrs. Dr. Marlowe at her hospital, which is a county hospital, it's they, they're not asking people's immigration status. And if they are, it doesn't affect their care. Like it's the, the we care for people in this country. So it'd be nice if we weren't importing everyone because eventually we're going to run out of money. In fact, that already happened a long time ago. And not just the money part, the resources part. I feel bummed out for the people who got into law enforcement, got into government for the right reasons in these areas. And instead of helping people, like people in the south side of Chicago could use some help, they're kind of dealing with this a chore of taking care of the illegal aliens, the abandoned school. That stinks. Terrible thing. Do with your time. But you have to do it because we have a system that allows for people to come in illegally. We just allow for it. All right, another media one. This is such a blast. It's also entirely frustrating, but former Intel officer James Clapper, DNI, Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, one of the biggest state mouthpieces. Him and I've got to stop up in that thing. I did that yesterday. Okay, I've identified the problem. I'll never happen again. All right, so James Clapper has slammed Politico for deliberately distorting a letter regarding Hunter Biden's laptop being the possible Russian disinformation. And he'd actually said, I think at one point, he never read this letter, but I wrote about this quite a bit in Breaking the News. A lady named Natasha Bertrand in 2020 peddled a letter signed by 50 intelligence officials um, suggesting that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. Dozens of former intel officials say it's Russian disinformation was how Politico framed it. So they didn't leave a lot of wiggle room. They left just the slightest hair of weasel words in there. And when our movie My Son Hunter came out, which you guys should all go to mysonhunter.com. It's available on DVD now. So you get streaming or DVD. And check out our dr- dramatization, but also real life history directed by Robert Davi um, of the events. When I was going through it, the, the news of it all, uh, and I was looking at the top fake news, um, the number one fake story was this one. I, I gave this the number one slot for my fake news list. I've got a story you can check out, media's top eight Hunter Biden laptop deniers, and many, many more honorable mentions. Natasha Bertrand of Politico, number one for touting the story. And now, three years later, James Clapper's like, yeah, I don't know. That thing was kind of, kind of oversold. But yeah, by you, you oversold it. 
Um, also interesting, why uh, I recommend some of these stories is that Emma Jo Morris makes the case that NPR is actually the worst outlet. Government-funded news was the worst outlet, which has gotten so much money. I was looking at the corporations of, for pro- public broadcasting funding under Obama. I'm sorry, Biden. Ooh, nasty. Keep cutting checks, those people. Why do we not defund NPR? I know NPR, a lot of it is listener-supported, but they get hundreds of millions of dollars from our, our coffers to do disinformation. All right, 866-95-PATRIOT. Um, I will say, got one or two others, and we'll, then we'll go to the phones. The, the, they did a rerun of an election in Berlin. And this was an election from, what year was this? This is not a recent one. Um, but there was, a re, there was a rerun of an election in 2021 that was deemed to have numerous errors. And believe it or not, the left-wing support collapsed and the right-wing support won. Peter Cattle wrote this up for us, Breitbart News. Support for left-wing parties has collapsed in Berlin after elections were rerun in the city on Sunday over errors in previous ballots. The election rerun in the German capital has been supported by the political right and it supported their surge. The centrist Christian Democratic Union seeing a seismic 10-point rise over the previous ballot. Although the city had already seen elections take place in 2021, numerous errors and other anomalies in the voting process eventually resulted in ballots being struck down in court with the vote being finally rerun on Sunday. Isn't that wild? So they actually redid an election and the conservatives won. I mean, you knew once they redid it, the conservatives were going to do better. But it's stunning because I pointed this out a lot. Perhaps this is this will spur some of you on to challenge every election, but maybe it's the opposite. Maybe this is the exception that proves the rule. But one of the things that's always made me very cynical about the approach to contest the 2020 election and the 2022 election, which which people who I'm politically sympathetic with do, uh, one of the things I've always been uh, I've always I've always made me roll my eyes a little bit is where's the last major election that actually got overturned, and I can't cite one in this country. But I can cite one now in Berlin. So, and a conservative, the result was a superior. Thought that was kind of cool. All right. Um, French government is now protesting after Disney depicts French soldiers trying to steal from Wakanda. How great is that? So, the uh, French government is mad at Disney because apparently in the movie Wakanda Forever, the French government steals from Wakanda. Isn't that cool? We're all so easily outraged. Is that the best alien versus predator? You can imagine Disney fighting with the French government over Wakanda. That that delights me. Absolutely delights me. Last one I will bring up, and I know this one might spur some conversation um, because this will be my last live show of the week, is that the uh, Republican presidential field seems to be expanding. Uh, Nikki Haley is going to announce her run tomorrow. Um, Tim Scott looks like he's getting ready to run South Carolina. I'm guessing Tim Scott is going to be more of a donor-friendly candidate. Seems like he's got all the right donor-friendly opinions. Our friend Vivek Ramaswamy is thinking of running. I'm wondering what Vivek thinks his path is. He's definitely got a lot of great issues he could raise. He's sort of become the spokesperson against the woke corporations, which I think is kind of becoming the battle of the moment um, in terms of the culture war. So when he's appointed himself the country's top guy in that issue and for good reason he's been on the show a number of times always always good to see him when he's here so he's thinking about running um and of course everyone's looking at pence and pompeo and others 
So the reports are DeSantis will decide in the summer or early summer. And if you've got any thoughts so far on the field forming, I think that what's interesting for me is that I think that the bigger the field, the the better, the more it helps Donald Trump because I think Donald Trump's going to get, you know, 20 odd percent of the vote just from people who think Trump can do no wrong and think that Trump is, uh, you know, have, have the messianic tr- uh, complex with Trump. So a bigger field means much more likely Trump's going to win. Take that as a positive or a negative. Um, but I will say I like the idea of a big field just for entertainment value and for getting ideas out there and having us hone our ideas. And I was afraid for a while Trump was just going to get anointed. He's going to get crowned, which I wouldn't have liked that. defending Douglas Mackey. Douglas Mackey in 2016 sent out a meme where he suggested that Democrats vote for Hillary Clinton by text. This is clearly a joke. Everyone knows it's a joke. And anyone who is uh, doesn't know it's a joke is such a huge moron, uh, I don't even know what to say. And yet, the Democrat elite are trying to put him in prison for 10 years for making that meme. He gives you all the shocking details. The trial is upon us, and you're not going to miss this. Let's take a listen. James, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate this, and I appreciate you that you're getting the word out about free speech issues. Uh, give me the full background for people who have not been following this moment to moment. Sure, Alex, and thank you for having me on the show this morning. Happy Valentine's Day and to you too. and your audience. Um, so this this dispute originates in the uh, the days leading up to the 2016 election. My client, Douglas Mackey, is alleged to have published certain memes, as you mentioned, uh, leading up to the election, some of which were just squarely, uh, we contend all of them, satirical, uh, but at least some of them having nothing to do with the actual mechanics of, of voting and the government's indictment in this case actually cites some of them. So, for example, um, Mr. Mackey is alleged to have published memes, uh, satirical memes about uh, Hillary Clinton's bellicose foreign policy views vis-a-vis Russia um, and a draft our daughters uh, trending at some point on Twitter in 2016 based on the memes he was alleged to have published. Right. Um, the memes, the memes that are at issue though, uh, specifically in this trial and, and this case will go to trial in Brooklyn, New York in federal district court, uh, next month, uh, are, are memes related to, uh, the, the method of voting. So, um, Mr. Mackey is alleged to have published memes inviting supporters of Hillary Clinton to text their vote and to skip the line and to make their voice heard using text message uh, as opposed to uh, going going to the polls. Um, the meme, uh, again, alleged to have been published in the lead up to the election. And uh, what eventually happens is, of course, President Trump wins a historic victory in the 2016 election, and uh, literally two days after President Biden is sworn into office, 
my client, Mr. Mackey, is arrested by the FBI and brought up on charges under an old Civil War Reconstruction Era statute, 18 U.S.C. 241, for conspiracy to infringe on individuals' constitutional right to vote. And this statute says, and I'm quoting to you directly from the statute, if two or more persons conspire to injure or press, threaten or intimidate, and then the statute goes on to say any person and the exercise of certain rights guaranteed by the Constitution, it's a violation of this statute. It was originally passed, Alex, as you can imagine, in the aftermath of the, the, the Civil War to secure the right of newly freed slaves to vote and to act as a hedge against the very real threat of violence in the post-Civil War South brought about by the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, never has it been used, we contend in this case, to prosecute an individual American for speech. We haven't seen it before. We think it's an extraordinary extension of the federal government's control and regulation of speech, and that the case really has troubling implications for all uh, speech, uh, for speech that happens on your show, for speech that happens on social media, for speech that happens in in, in, in all of the independent media that's out there. I mean, if, the, if this case ultimately ends in a guilty verdict against my client, which could carry with it the potential of up to 10 years in prison, we have a really serious problem for the First Amendment in this country. So uh, the defense team in this case sees this as a Pandora's box that the federal government wants to open, and we are committed to shutting the door on this theory for the benefit of not only our client, but all Americans. Uh, I'm so with you on this, but let's be clear here. It seems like the main controversy is one of the memes suggested that you can text your vote, which is anyone who thought that meme is serious, meme is serious should not be allowed to vote, first of all. Let's say, I'm not saying that somewhat, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I, I got to tell you, that, that I, I will say that's a joke just for all of the the people who are trying to censor the First Amendment here in case that becomes illegal one day. But it just seems like it's so uh, uh, ridiculous on its face. And I think here's the thing where I'm very cynical, James, is I think everyone knows this. Everyone who's prosecuting your client knows this. I don't think it matters. I think they know that this will have a chilling effect. I think they know that even if you win, and I'm assuming you probably will, that we're in 2023. This was something that your client did in 2016. And that is a lot of his life wasted. It's a lot of your, your time spent on it. And I, nothing gets bigger than the First Amendment, but it just feels like they're making us spin our wheels and waste money and time. Well, I mean, to, to your to your point in that regard, Alex, certainly this has taken a tremendous toll on 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 my client, as it would any person in the crosshairs of a federal criminal prosecution. Uh, and and he's certainly trying to raise support for his legal defense and. If your audience is interested in learning more, they can log on oh, absolutely. to memedefensefund.com. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to give this out again. Memedefensefund.com. Memedefensefund.com if you want to support. Yeah, that's that, that's right. But to your point, Alex, yes. I mean, this the, the, the fact that this prosecution was brought in the first instance and the immense resources, time, energy 
that goes into this uh, defense effort, certainly it, it, it has, <laughs> you know, an immediate chilling effect, obviously, on on my client. But to your point, yes, I, it, it certainly stands to reason that uh, people who are aware of this case might uh, think twice before they they go into meme generator and come up with some uh, funny or satirical content. And again, th- th- that's why this prosecution is so dangerous. That's why uh, we have to prevail in this case and 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 set a precedent that the, the courts can't, or excuse me, that the government can't be allowed to to, to do this. Um, have so you have you heard James from Have you heard James from Twitter at all? Because I remember. Um, I remember his account. I remember Douglas's account, Ricky Vaughn 99, and I remember his memes. And I was just, you know, when I was preparing for the interview, I just noticed, oh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard that guy in forever. And I, I hadn't put it together. It was that's that's what this is. And I'm just wondering if anyone on Twitter spoke up because Twitter is getting much more lame. And I this is part of the reason why it's not fun anymore. And this is this is the type of content that made it fun. And now it's now it's really just tribal and not as fun. And I'm just wondering if anyone reached out and said, "Hey, we're kind of with you on this." Have we I have not heard anything from Twitter. I, I will say with respect to Twitter, the, the 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 platform currently hosts a meme, a very similar meme directed to Trump supporters from the 2016 election that invited and encouraged Trump supporters to go vote. That that meme is something you can still go on line and download and look at uh, that person is not facing a federal prosecution my client is um, I'll, I'll let your audience draw their own conclusions it's just amazing that, i was just thinking about how many times and i'm asking to have my life ruined with some sort of lawsuit like how many times i've joked vote early and vote often like like of course i'm joking when i say that it's like like you don't vote often it's just like we can't we can't have any fun in this society i, I thought that was the point of the first amendment was to protect some level of fun and and that's just why i'm just I find this to be so alarming. Um, how how tough do you think the case is, though? Because I don't want to be too arrogant here that this is a slam dunk victory. Well, I, I can tell you I, there, there are certain things I can't get into because it's a pending criminal case and I'm subject to bar restrictions and ethical rules. But uh, what, what I can say is that uh, the case is set for trial uh, in mid-March. Jury selection, I believe, is scheduled on March 12th. Um, the, the, the jury will be impaneled. We will put on our case. The government will put on its case. Mr. Mackey, my client, has great faith in God, and he has great faith in the system of trial by jury, which our founders gave to us. And uh, we look forward to putting on the, the best defense that we can. Wow. So what is the trial? It, uh, again, jury selection starts March 12th. I believe the first day uh, opening arguments are on uh, March 16th. Has um, your client been able to live a normal life? How much of his life is wasted by this nonsense? Well, I, I, you know, again, Alex, it, it, for, for, for someone, anyone, right, it, to, to go through the travail of even, even complex civil litigation, is a, it's a disruptive thing to have to defend yourself in a civil lawsuit, much less a case like this, right. where again, they, there's up to 10 years, there's yeah. up to 10 years in prison on the table here. That's why this case is so important. That's why we're so appreciative of you giving 
uh, us an opportunity to talk about the implications of this uh, case. And, and that's why, ultimately, the defense team, in our mind, we, we, we have to slam the door shut on this Pandora's yeah, box. Absolutely. Can't, absolutely. We can't allow this theory to stand because it imperils all legal speech. And really, Alex, it should concern everybody across the entire political spectrum, left, right, center, and every political persuasion in between should be very, very concerned about what's happening here. Well, that kind of um, segues nicely to my next question, which is have any liberal groups, I'm obviously not leftist groups, but have any liberal groups reached out, I'm thinking the ACLU in particular, and said that we're, yeah, you can't, you can't uh, 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 send someone to jail for 10 years for a joke. Like, it's see, that's ridiculous. Um, I, well, I'm, yeah. I'm afraid of the answer here. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great question, and you're, you're probably not going to be surprised to hear that our nation's most venerable civil liberties organization, the ACLU, has not been uh, yeah. in, in, in the trenches with us shoulder to shoulder on this. Uh, they've been MIA, much like they were MIA in the early days of the pandemic when uh, soccer moms were being arrested for protesting against the lockdowns in various states. So uh, they're MIA on on not only you know the issues that were going on back in March and April of 2020, but this very, very significant criminal prosecution, again, 10 years in prison, on the table, and they're nowhere to be found. It's yeah, so, so demoralizing. James, I'm sure I don't need to tell you this, but the, um, uh, the you would never believe who was the top uh, pre, the, the, the top political figure in terms of ACLU donations, according to Open Secrets in 2016. Would you guess? Uh, would it be uh, former Secretary of State Clinton? That's that's correct. And um, them looking at the top ten recipients, and they're all Democrats, every single one. And that wasn't always the case. I know a lot of people who might be new to following the news would um, are not surprised by that. But it actually, was the case where the ACLU used to defend civil liberties first and Democrats second. And it's very sad when that stuff flips. Um, is there any evidence that you've seen that suggests that voters actually believe you can vote by text? Any a significant number of voters? I'm talking about like double digits. I'm not saying that they well, can so find the one person. The but government alleged. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Alex. Um, the government alleges that 4,000, I believe, 900 people texted the number. Uh, but the government has not alleged that a single person did not vote as a result of the alleged memes. And let's remember, this case was brought in the Eastern District of New York, even though Mr. Mackey uh, did not live in the Eastern District of New York. Um, the, the government's theory of venue in this case is very interesting also. And just to give your audience some context, uh, the, the, the federal courts are courts of limited jurisdiction. We think the government's the government's uh, venue theory is 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 troubling as well because under the logic of the government's theory, if one broadcasts anything on social media, posts anything on the internet, and someone in any federal district court, uh, federal district in the United States could could potentially see that or does see that. One could be uh, hailed into court in a jurisdiction where they don't have otherwise substantial contacts or even a presence, and and we contend that's the case here. So Mr. Mackey, who did not live in the Eastern District of New York, is being hailed into court in the Eastern District of New York and will have to be uh, in front of a jury drawn from the Eastern District of New York in this case. So, we, again, we think it's a troubling, it's a troubling venue theory. 
um, particularly from the standpoint of those who want to uphold the, the, the idea that the, the federal government is one of, of, uh, of limited and enumerated powers. But just think about the context of the election in 2016 in the Eastern District of New York. Um, certainly, we would contend the memes had no effect on uh, Sec- former Secretary of State uh, Clinton's victory in the state of New York, which he won handily, right? So, yeah, that it's is troubling. A- Kind of, kind of a small point here that's worth making. Uh, James Lawrence, again, is with me. He's defending Douglas Mackey. As some of you might remember him as Ricky Vaughn 99 on Twitter, who has been sued in a criminal court for uh, a meme suggesting you can text to vote. Just uh, uh, amazing stuff. And I think this is uh, a huge uh, the First Amendment. Uh, the First Amendment is at stake here. There's no other way to put it. MemeDefenseFund.com. Is that right? Do I have that right? I want to make sure I get the right. That's right, Alex. Okay, memedefensefund.com. Last one for the day, James. Uh, it's the, There's a lot of big tax censorship cases out there. I'm guessing you're regarding this one as the most important. Uh, why? Well, because, the, uh, I mean, the, the, the stakes are criminal. Uh, they're, they're, the stakes are up to 10 years in prison. Um, you're right. I mean, there there are a number of these battles that are going on. I've certainly fought some of them. Uh, you know, I represented Alex Berenson in his landmark case against Twitter, leading to his reinstatement. But this is this is the government directly trying to put a young man in prison over what we contend are satirical memes that that are bedrock uh, in terms of what the First Amendment protects. What did our founders give us in the First Amendment? It, what, it's not there to protect the, the, the core of it is not there to protect pornography. It's not there to protect new dancing. It's there to protect political speech. It's there to allow ordinary people to use humor to use satire to critique power and that's what it that's what's at stake in this case well said best of luck to you james and keep us posted thank you sir take care you're welcome i'm american made That's today's broadcast. Thanks a lot to Zach Jones for putting it together. Robert Marlowe helps me pick clips. All of you who go to brightport.com share all of our content, a lot of amazing stuff out there for you. And I'll be back in a few days. Thanks for listening.